Hello there and welcome to the How to Market Your Horse Business podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me here today. My name is Denise Alvarez. I am your host and I'm very excited to welcome you back to a two-part series we're doing here on the podcast about selling. So before we jump into that, in case we're new friends, I will quickly introduce myself and then we will get to talking about selling a little bit more, right? But before that, My name is Denise, as I said, and through my business, Storm Lily Marketing, I get to help horse business owners like you turn your website visitors into your customers. I do that through coaching, as well as website design and content, email marketing strategy, and my monthly coaching program called Social Stripe. I do each of these things. I have this podcast here because I love to serve horse business owners so that you can be out doing what you really love to do, out serving your clients, out working with horses, making products, whatever the case may be. I'm here to help you do more of those things. And so here on the podcast, my goal is to provide you with step-by-step strategies basic how-tos so that you can not only see what's possible for your horse business, but so that I can guide you through that process to make it happen. And back on the podcast this week, I have somebody else helping me to guide you through the process of sales, selling your horse business products and services to your ideal customer. Now, last week, I told you a little bit about how I met Chris, and we talked about selling as far as your mindset goes and some really tactical things for you to keep in mind as you are selling. So if you have not listened to that yet, I encourage you to do so. It is episode number 74. You can get there easily by just going to stormlily.com slash 74. Today, though, we are still talking about selling, but we are breaking down product sales. So what does it look like when you have a physical product that you're trying to sell? What are some things that Chris has learned in his years of experience and his wealth of knowledge as the national sales manager of Justin Boots? So I shared, as I said, a bit about Chris before, and he also shared some of his background in episode 74. So to learn more about Chris and his history and the wealth of his knowledge, I encourage you to go back and listen, because on this episode, we will just be jumping right into it. So I hope you have your notepad handy. Make sure that you are ready, because he has some really good practical ideas for you to take as you are going out and selling your products. Now, let me say this. If you're listening to this episode and saying, but Denise, I'm listening because it's Chris and I know I can learn from this, but at the same time, I don't have products. Let me just tell you, this episode, yes, is about products, but I guarantee that if you will listen, you will hear things that you can apply inside of your services business as well. And at the very end, Chris is topping it off with some really great advice that applies to every horse business owner. So I hope you listen to this episode, whether you have products or services, but for my product-based friends, know that I was keeping you in mind as I ask these questions of Chris, all right? So let's go ahead and jump into it, and I'll see you on the other side. Here's my interview with Chris Stein, the National Sales Manager at Justin Boots. All right, this is perfect, Chris. I so appreciate these tactical ideas. 
And while everything you've shared so far absolutely applies to all of my listeners, I know that I have some listeners that do sell physical products that have been asking for some specific ideas that can apply to them. So while everything you've shared so far applies to all, and I'm sure some of the next, I would really love to hone in on the idea of selling products and some specific things that my business owners can keep in mind that are selling custom saddles, custom sack, or sorry, custom tack, um, as well as saddles or health products, that type of thing, where they're selling a physical product to the equine industry. So I'd love for you to share some things that they should keep in mind as well. Absolutely. That's some of the things that really... Uh, that really begin to motivate me really is the the product presentation itself. You know, when you're when you're dealing with uh, different types of products that, especially when it comes into custom uh, leather work or tack or saddlery things along that lines, um, I'm I'm a huge uh, fan of, of of that process, and I think being able to uh, use different aspects, whether it's video. Uh, or imagery, or photography, or design. Um, in my opinion, I think that that there's so much that goes into the construction of uh, of that type of leather work. It to me has a romance of its own. So I think that uh, having an opportunity to really kind of do a, a little bit of a step by step type process in your video imagery or in your uh, visual imagery that you offer, whether it be in your a website, or even if you were to take bits and pieces of that and include that in your outside advertising, whether it be, you know, a cool picture of, of, of some handwork and, and then diving straight into that tooling type imagery, and then putting that on the side of your trailer that you go to events to sell product and tack and things like that out of, uh, really kind of grasp the whole manual processes. And I think that that is really an added value to the product that you're selling. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it. I don't know whether you can hear it in my voice. <laughs> we, when I, we've had uh, and continue to take um, some of our customers to our factory uh, in El Paso. So uh, Justin does have uh, a factory in El Paso that we that we still manufacture boots in um, from the raw materials of the of the smooth leathers to the actual finished boots that are going in the boxes and out to the out to our distribution center and then ultimately to our customers. So what I like to talk to them about, especially when we're bringing them in there, it's the factory is really to give them, I mean, if you close your eyes and you think of this building with these sewing machines running in the background and the smell of raw leather, um, I mean, people buy candles because it smells so good. So it, uh, it really begins to kind of permeate your senses. And that's really kind of some of the things that you're trying to do and accomplish, whether it be in your, your product presentation or in your uh, visual presentation, it's the hook. It's the things that get people to want to dive in and know more. So I think, you know, again, if you have your eyes closed, you're walking into this, you know, 50,000 square foot building. So you got to think of the size of a Walmart. And on one side, you've got all these leathers wrapped up in these bins and they're in different colors. And then at the other end, you've got finished 
foods going into the boxes. Our deal is that we really enjoy taking customers in each one of those steps. And there's over 150 steps in the boot process uh, from start to finish. And, and there's so many people that actually touch uh, those bits and pieces as they come together throughout the factory. And so if you were to take that experience and take it into uh, a custom saddle maker, uh, you know, I, I used to call and sell some retail stores that had a saddle maker or a leather repair shop in their store. Uh, that's an added value to the customer. I can fix whatever you bring me, whether you're, you know, the, the buckle on your shafts are broken and you need it fixed. It's it's that hands-on labor work that that really most people don't get to see. That I think at the end of the day, uh, when we're finished walking our customers through our factory, the first thing that they say to us is, I don't know how you do it so cheap. Um, so it's being able to catch, you know, capture their you know, ultimately, really, it's the value of the product. And I think that that's an inherent value of the product that you're bringing to the marketplace. So, like I said, there's there's bits and pieces of it. So, it could be um, it could be a, a grooming product for, for your horse. But this is the newest and the most innovative thing out there. Uh, I think explaining and having uh, some technical video uh, on possibly even how to use it. Or using that as a tag, um, you can say, all right, well, I have got this new product and I really, you know, I'm going to talk to you about a couple of the basics, but I'm not going to tell you all of the basics about it because I want you to call me. I want you to buy that product from me online and then I will give you access to the rest of the instructional part of the video. I'm going to show you how to use this product, but you need to, you know, make that connection with me so I can talk further about it. So, you know, if you're trying to get new, you know, your new items into a retail storefront with an influencer or uh, a formal presentation, uh, I think can at the end of the day either make or break you. So I think that the, that visual presentation and how you present those, those items, those services uh, can really be the first piece of, of, of the puzzle. Yeah. So let's camp. You said first the visual and then the formal. So for those that are listening for the visuals, like he said, that's your social, that's your website, right? That's your flyers. That's your expo booth. I mean, there's so many places that that comes into play. So don't undervalue getting those professional photos done, right? Don't undervalue, um, the value, right, that it brings when you can present those things really well with the videography, as you said, all of those things. Um, so I love that. So the visual and making that an experience for your customers, even if you can't bring them to your physical shop, you can make it an experience through the ideas that you just shared, Chris. So I love that. So for those of you that are listening that are saying, okay, but now I'm getting ready to talk to somebody about getting my products in their store, right? Or an influencer, right? Getting somebody to represent my brand. What ideas would you have to share with them, Chris? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably one of the things that I like to try and do is is I do everything up until the point of the appointment or up until the point that a customer comes in the door is is to be prepared. Um, the the formal presentation in my mind uh, when we go and call on customers and, and work with uh, these multi store chains really boils down into. Um, I, I look at it and try and be prepared in, in the sense that I, I come with 
some information, uh, some leave behinds, some video introduction, um, really a, a complete marketing package of the product in addition to my product in general. The presentation really is the part of the story of why this is here and why I'm selling it and why I'm presenting it is because I've done enough preparation to know that there's a there's an opportunity for us in this category in this merchandising scheme to to take care of just a small little niche and usually our product presentations are not huge presentations um, we found that um, smaller more uh, focused presentations are are probably when especially when it comes to big companies uh, much more user friendly because uh, most of the buyers and most of the people that we work with may only have an hour. So we want to get in there. We want to do a little bit of a business review. We want to make sure we're on the right track and, and a good partner uh, as we continue to move forward. So uh, I think at this point, this really gives you the opportunity to kind of tell the story, uh, tell the hardships that you might have endured to get where you are now. Um, and then kind of in your presentation, I kind of like to refer to it as you're getting ready to show off your newborn child <laughs> presentation, uh, should have, you know, at the end of the presentation, your customers should be falling in love with the product and falling in love with the story and then, uh, and willing to babysit your child for a short period of time. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I think ultimately, you know, and kind of give you an example, um, Went to do a product presentation with a customer, and, and the customer was was somewhat stoic. You didn't spend a lot of, you know, you didn't see any outward emotion when it comes to the product. Um, and usually, when I when I come in to do a product presentation, um, you know, it seems like most people that you, that you work with they come in and they put the product in front of the buyer or in front of the customer and they say, "Well, what do you like?" That to me is the first opportunity for them to say no. So the best thing is, is that you begin kind of an in-depth conversation with them about the features and the benefits of the product and why you developed it and, and who the product eventually was intended for. That really kind of begins to set the, the tone and the mood in the meeting. And then, um, you know, going back to the, you know, your four P's of marketing, you know, the product, the placement, the price, and the promotion. So I always like to take all four of those into consideration because, you know, number one, the product, the product's got to be right. So you got to be introducing the product at the right time uh, to the right people. Then the next one would be, you know, the, the placement. Here's where I want it to be uh, in the sea of our competition. Is it really identifies and fits a niche that you're not identifying and that you're not taking care of with other product? Um, you know, the promotion. Here's what we're going to do to help promote it. We're going to do a national television uh, commercial uh, with the Cowboy Channel, and we're going to run it for this period of time. And this will really uh, create that demand even sometimes before the product even hits the marketplace. So we're notifying and making people aware of what's up and coming. So I think you can be an innovator in that way. You can always be out there ahead of yourself a little bit. Say, I know that I've bought this. It's going to be at my, at my operation. And here's what I want to do to kind of tease it before it even gets there to let your customers begin uh, that experience. And then 
at the end of it is where it was designed and where it was targeted to be at a certain price point. So I think that that really is, is some of the things. Um, so finishing up with, you know, with a, with a pricing strategy and talking to your customers, um, you know, working on, you know, our, our goal earlier of where our income wants to be. So you always have to pay attention to where your profit margin is going to be uh, at the time that you get ready to bring it to market. Um, I'd also like to bring a, a, you know, when I do a product presentation myself, I've already kind of laid the, the groundwork. I've already told the story. So I bring the product to the table. I usually set it down on the floor next to the table and I will bring it to the table slow and carefully and then began to give the product presentation about the silhouettes, the profile, the colors, uh, the cushion insole comfort systems that are built into it. And as I'd get a little bit deeper with this buyer in the conversation, you know, I would bring a little bit more to the table and just kind of leave them a little bit out of reach from the customer, from the buyer. And eventually the customer couldn't stand the anticipation of the presentation and finally just reached over and started grabbing up the boots off the table. <laughs> if you're telling the story right and everything kind of starts to fit, you know, right off the bat that this is a done deal and there's no better gratification than to, to bring, you know, to bring your product to the right customer. And then they, uh, then that customer being on board 110%. So um, you know, if we wanted to make this a little bit more relative, let's say to, you know, in an equine type um, environment, uh, let's say we're going to sell it to, you know, that we're going to sell a two-year-old colt. Uh, and after a little bit of a meet and greet, um, you know, and, and this conversation could have even been on the phone a little bit, you know, your lead in on the phone or walking in the stall could be, you know, let me talk to you a little bit about this horse. Uh, then that gives you an opportunity to kind of communicate your story and develop that romance. You know, I was there when, you know, I was looking at the bloodlines and found the right mayor and we took care of the mayor and then we were in the barn when it fold. And, you know, that's some of the buildup and the anticipation that you can have in the conversation that you can have before you even lay eyes on, on the cult itself. So, I think you have to kind of lay that type of groundwork to really begin to tell the story. And then if the story is good enough and the product is good enough, when you get it there, uh, I think more than likely that cult will be sold before I even get you to the barn to take a look at it. So um, I think that that's some of the romance. And I think that's some of the importance of, of the buildup and uh, the story behind why you did it and, and where it's going and, and what it's going to be. So um, you know, that's and I, good. I, yeah. Does that make oh, sorry. sense? Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to pat you on the back. <laughs> I was just going to say how, how helpful that is. I appreciate those, those practical examples from both sides. Um, because I know both are listening and like you said, telling the story, right. And not jumping right to the cell. That's part of the magic. So mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And are, are there some things that, that you've heard back from your group that, um, that they may be having some difficulty with? Well, that's my next one for you. My next um, question for you to clarify, right? So sure. price, you've talked about price. So we're not going to talk about right here, 
how to price your products. However, I would love for you to share the idea of when do you talk price when you're in the part of sales, right? Some people will say, don't be the first one or do be the first one or don't lead. So what would you say to that? You know, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to price, you know, price comes, comes into play only after you began to, to kind of identify the goods and services that your customers are really interested in. Um, and one of the things and one of the keys that I would highly recommend, uh, regardless of, of uh, their personal presentation, uh, is to never judge or predispose your customers as to what you think that they can afford. Um, I've seen this time and time again and experienced it in my own uh, sales history uh, where I've been on a sales floor at a, at a Western retail store and about four people had met, you know, did the meet and greet um, and then did not stay with the customer long enough to understand uh, what they were looking for um, or what their pocketbook would allow them to spend. Um, so I'll give you a quick, for instance, I, I, I worked with a customer that I saw four people walk you know, walk up to and then move on. And then finally I got over there and started up a conversation and it could have been, you know, cause I already know that some, some of the other people have tried the hard sell on him, tried to get him in some product that he may or may not been interested in. But at the end of the day, you know, I was kind of interested to, to know more about the customer himself. So our conversation led to, uh, you know, his kids and what he did for a living and where he was, why he was in, in the store and, Come to find out he was a truck driver, uh, an over-the-road driver um, who had been looking for and always wanted a pair of high-end alligator boots. But most people thought because of the shoes he had on and the jeans were torn that he couldn't afford a pair of those. So they didn't even talk to him about that product. They were already pigeonholing that customer into something less expensive. Um, So it might have taken me a few hours and we'll get to be impatient here in a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> uh, really understand what he was after. But by the time I was done, that guy had a big grin on his face. Uh, he was excited about what he was buying. And um, uh, and I had a lot of envious people on the sales floor because of the thing <laughs> I missed out. So yeah, just want to touch on that because it's a pet peeve of mine. Don't don't, That's really good. Yeah. Don't yep. pigeonhole your customer by what you think that they can afford. So, um, you know, because most of the time they're going to surprise you. You know, they're going to surprise you in what they can afford, what they're willing to personally sacrifice uh, to buy what you're selling. Um, you know, with that, with that in mind, always start at the top in your presentations. You know, if it's uh, if you've got a menu of products, it's not any different than going to uh, to the car wash. At the very top, they're going to have, you know, the most expensive car wash. And then they're going to have all the things that they're going to do to your car. And then you go down a tier. And now you may be from gold to silver. You're going to have this, this, and this, but you're going to miss a couple of different of the uh, services, additional services they offer. And then you get all the way down to where, you know, for 10 bucks, you can stay in your car and they'll drive you through. And then you just keep going. So I think having a product tiering, within your, your, your business, I think is important, but I think starting at the top and then working your way down to a certain degree, uh, is really the key. Um, I always like to use the examples, you know, I've been in the footwear business for, for most of my life. So 
selling a pair of boots to me can be a little bit tough when the customer is looking at a $300 bill uh, for the boots. But if you break it down, and, and this is really kind of how I begin to sell, somewhat justify the expense. The cowboy boot may last you three years. Let's say the, a $300 boot is going to last you three years before you got to buy a new pair. So if you break that down on an annual basis, that's only $100 a year that you're spending. Problem is you're spending all $300 up front. Mm -hmm. So it seems like a lot. But if you take the same ideology and you're saying, all right, well, I've got a $300 boot that I'm the last three years, I'm spending $100 a year. And then you go back in and say, all right, well, my kid, uh, my my teenager, I, I wind up buying a pair of tennis shoes for them every six months. He wears through them. They're gone. So now you're looking at spending $100 every six months on kids' tennis shoes. Mine's grown now. He can buy his own shoes. <laughs> the idea would be is, you know, if you do the math on that, so $100 every six months over the same lifespan that a boot would, would last, let's say three years, you're spending $600 on those tennis shoes. You know, this proves that an upfront quality purchase can save you money in the long run. And I really think that that's something that you can use as, a, as an opportunity to explain to customers. If you're beginning to see some price resistance, um, let me explain to you why it's this price. Let me explain to you the features and benefits you're going to get at this level. Let me talk to you about how to, you know, in your mind, annualize your purchase. So, like I said, if you're spending $300 with me up front and you're going to board uh, your horse at my stables, uh, Here's XYZ of, of, of the product and the assortments and the different things that I'm going to do for me, for you as a business owner and you as my customer that, you know, if you would buy the top tier of it for a few dollars more, that I think is, is really the key. It's, it's a lot harder to upsell somebody than it is to gradually begin to work your way down to the point that they're comfortable uh, in their own purchase and in their in their own financial situation. So um, it's always, like I said, it's always more difficult to go up the ladder of, of pricing than it is to start at the top and then begin to work your way down to hit that comfort level. That's good. That's good. Okay. One thing that you said at um, Road to the Horse when we met that you talked about is the idea of add-on sales, especially when it comes to product sales. So talk a little bit about that for us. Well, you know, with the with the retail background that I come from, one of the things that we really look at doing, and and even from a larger corporate standpoint, is you always are looking for um, additional uh, opportunities uh, within your brand, within your company, to to create more of a presence. Um, so, for instance, you know, when you go into uh, let's uh, let's say attack operation. One of the things that they probably uh, should be doing would be to look for small items that 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 can create larger profit margins uh, that would be easy uh, as an add-on sale. Um, it could be uh, just a, a small bottle of boot cream or a leather conditioner or cleaner. Um, let's say you're selling a, a high-end uh, $4,000, $6,000 show saddle. The add-on sale there would be uh, possibly a, a saddle cover. Um, it could be uh, a saddle stand. It could be 
uh, something to help take care of that product with. I always like to uh, reference it back to working retail when I sell your pair of boots, you know, most of the time, uh, and guys are the worst, and I apologize for this, but uh, <laughs> a lot of times the belts don't match the boots. You know, I think it's big with girls, and I know it is for sure because my wife tells me all the time. So <laughs> uh, the idea would be is that, you know, let me help you out with your outfit. So um, it's the little things. I mean, you could, there's not a lot of outward expenditure in smaller uh, items that create bigger profits essentially so uh, you know if you're if you're buying a product for a dollar and you sell it for two you've made a hundred percent profit margin on that product so and it could be as something as easy as a, a settlement you know if you're a leather worker and you uh, you're a craftsman in that industry uh, do some inexpensive leather coasters for for somebody's house out of the scrap leather that you do uh, that you have so Utilize all the pieces and, and things along the way, but at the same time, look for how can I do a low cost item with a high profit margin to kind of help add on to that. Plus, it's an added value. And in your presentation, again, uh, your customers are going to say, look, you know, I, I didn't even think about taking care of my saddle. I didn't even think about putting leather care on my boots. I, you know, thanks for, thanks for bringing that to my attention. And I'll get longer wear. Uh, out of my annualized purchase from the the point previous, uh, if I take care of the product that I have, so and that that goes all the way down to, um, uh, you know, the horseshoes that you might use on your horse. That, uh, and, and I'm going to get off on a straight tangent here. Most people spend more <laughs> money on their horse's feet than they do on their own feet, and uh, they have to live with their feet for the rest of their life. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. That, that's a plug for the uh, the footwear industry, right? right? Cowboy boots are good for your feet. So uh, that's a good one. That's so, but that's so true. I love that. Okay, you've been so gracious. I know you've got one more thing that we're going to talk about when it comes to products, and I think this one's super important. We talked about it just a bit earlier, where I mentioned knowing your ideal client. But I'd love for you to talk about, and you actually mentioned just in passing as well, that idea that your product isn't for everybody, right? So yes. talk a little bit about how important it is for you as a business owner, for business owners that are listening to really know who it is they're trying to sell to because their products and your products are truly not for every single horse person. And sometimes when I talk about this, I do a marketing workshop every now and then in my Facebook group and people will say, well, you know, my product is for um, people over the age of 30 that like horses. Well, you haven't really narrowed it down very much, right? So there's, <laughs> there's a real point and why you should know who you're selling to. So talk a little bit about that. Sure. You know, I, I think you always should really kind of look at, you know, from a, from a 30,000 foot deal, you know, perspective. Do I want to sell everybody? The question there is, you know, with that being the question, the difficulty in trying to service everybody is astronomical. I can only imagine we're trying to take care of everybody at the same time as it's not any different than having eight kids and you're trying to feed them all at the same time. So, you know, that alone would, would make you want to pull your hair out. So I, I usually like to say, you know, it's about the quality and of the customers that you have and not necessarily always the quantity. And I think that there can be a happy medium in there. Um, it's okay 
you know, to have enough respect for your business and for yourself not to compromise. So when I say that is the perceived value of the brand in the marketplace or the perceived value of your company in the marketplace, I think can speak volumes based on your clientele, uh, your customers, how they partner with you in the presentation of your product. Um, I think that that if I was going to open a new, you know, that that goes all the way back to the original conversation when we first started here, Denise, is the interview process. Is this person the customer that I feel comfortable working with? Is this somebody that I want to take care of them and of their livestock? Um, and if it's okay to say no, if, if it's not, and they're not a good fit, uh, I think that they would have more respect for you saying that I'm sorry that this business uh, and the services that I, that I'm doing here, uh, after our interview process and our get to know process, I'm not going to be able to do this for you, or I don't have that in my, in my product assortment. I don't have that in the services that I render. And I would be doing a disservice to you uh, by trying to, to do it because it's not the, you know, uh, to the point that I'm, that I can, which under most circumstances are not to the best of your ability. So when I say it's okay to say no, you know, you really have to, uh, you know, you're in a position to really drive the perceived value of your business by being selective in your clientele. You know, again, that that interview process that we talked about earlier should really give you uh, an, an indicator. Uh, and uh, I think your gut will tell you whether or not you're going to get along with a customer or not, uh, just by having a few conversations. You know, if you cater to a select group, you can hone your business strategy, and this will allow you to focus your presentation. Um, you'll get better and better, and then your business will get better and your business will prosper as well. Yeah, so that answers so the question about yep about quantity versus quality. Exactly. No, that was spot on. That was so good. I appreciate that. All right, Chris, you have been so generous. Is there anything else? I'm just going to open it up for you. Is there anything else that you think my listeners should know about selling before we close it off for the day? The the last thing um, is one of my favorite. Um, Quotes, I guess. I don't know whether it's a quote or whether it's just something that I, I speak to my sales reps about. I speak to people in the office about. Um, I speak to our customers about. Um, is to be patiently persistent. You know, nine times out of ten, a, a sales rep on the road or a salesperson gets over. Uh, as you know, they're always worried about. Oh my gosh, I got to hit this goal. I got to be. They're anxious. They're they're always pushing and, and going 90 miles an hour and, oh my gosh, I got to work with this customer and I really need for them to do this. Not every sell is going to happen right away. You know, this, that part of it is something that you really kind of have to grasp your head around. You know, keep in touch with your customers, keep them informed along the way. Uh, sometimes it takes time to make a sale. Um, you know, for example, I was invited to a show uh, where we had business owners that, that had multi-stores, upwards of 110 to 200 locations throughout the country. Um, you know, the Atwas, the Rural Kings, the Murdochs of the world, you know, just covering a few 
not sure where your your listeners are from, but that should cover some quite a bit of it. You know, and I had a 20 minute presentation. So we really honed in on a couple of different things. You know, we go back to the presentation. You don't want to overwhelm them with a lot of different product, but be specific in the presentation. So we were working on work boots. Um, the oil and gas industry has a real high demand on high quality work boots in, in, the, in that workplace uh, because of the types of environments that they're working in. So we did a 20 minute presentation with the owners about this type of product and what we did with our uh, our product and our boots to, to really set the standard as far as um, set us apart from the rest of the competition in the field. You know, we took, uh, you know, the product development side of it, we took bits and pieces from, you know, kind of what we were seeing in the evolution of the work boots and we jammed all the best pieces into one presentation of one product. Uh, and it did exceptionally well or has still continued to do exceptionally well. Um, I'll never forget one of the owners had stopped during the meeting to kind of get some information from some of the other owners that were already carrying our product. But at the same time, he had about 150 doors that he was interested in looking at bringing this product in. Well, in a 20 minute meeting, there's no way that you're going to get all the information that you need to launch a product into their stores. Um, so we did a lot of, we had to go back, do a lot of follow up with them. Um, I think to be honest with you, you know, I, I always kept them as part of my email list. So when we introduced new product, I would forward it to him just to keep him up to date. I didn't mm-hmm. ask when when I was going to get to see uh, his buyers, when we were going to put product in the store. I said, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, here's what we have coming down the pipeline. If there's any interest, please let me know. So again, patiently persistent. It took me almost five years to get the information and the email contacts for his buyers. So, like I said, it doesn't always happen right away. So be persistent, but don't be persistent to the point of being annoying. Uh, (laughs) That's a good point. You know, timing is everything. So treat people like you would like to be treated. So, um, you know, timing is everything, you know, whether it's today, tomorrow, you know, a week from now, uh, it may not be the right time for your customer, but somewhere down the line, they will be ready. And they, it'll, it'll be your job to be there when they are. So be relevant. Um, be, be there when, when somebody drops the ball. Um, be part of that informational pipeline. So I guess that would probably wrap up exactly what I would, what the last thing, um, be patient, be persistent. Because uh, it doesn't always all happen at the same time. So, with that, um, the last one little key item is I would probably say one of the most important. Um, and I take to heart. So, be thankful for the businesses or the business that you earn and humble about your successes. Um, I'm passionate about writing a, a handwritten thank you uh, when a customer takes time out of their time uh, out of their uh, agendas for us to come and present the product that I'm passionate about. So um, I always send a little handwritten thank you note at the end of it on a company letterhead. Um, and again, just to let them know that I appreciate it uh, and, and for the time to, to let me talk about something that I love to do. So 
Oh, and that personal touch goes, goes a long way. So I love that. Great. Patiently persistent. Be thankful and humble. Very good notes to end on. Chris, I'm so grateful. Thank you again for sharing so many great insights. Before we uh, hang up here, I would love for you to let everybody know where they can connect with you um, online. If they would like to um, learn more, see where you're at, um, where can they find you? I believe on Instagram and LinkedIn, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Chris Stein on LinkedIn. Um, and then Justin1879 Stein uh, on Instagram. Perfect. And I will link to those in the show notes, of course, so that it's easy to find also. Thank you again. I'm so very grateful. And I know that all of the things that you shared here are going to be so helpful to my listeners. I am sure they were furiously taking notes as I was. So thank you so much, Chris. Anytime. Thanks for having me, Denise. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right. Didn't I tell you this was going to be such a good episode or a good series with Chris? I am so grateful that he took time out of his day to share with you all what he has learned. And I would love it if you would send Chris some love and encouragement as well. So find him on LinkedIn, find him on Instagram and let him know how much you enjoyed this conversation and let him know what your takeaways were. And let me know. I want to know what your takeaways were as well, because I know there were so many good things. I loved the encouragement at the end. Be patiently persistent. Such sage advice. And the fact that he shared that story where it took almost five years of that patient persistence to see the fruit. Now, I know that you're saying, Denise, I'm a business owner. I can't always wait five years for people to come around. And I get that. But at the same time, like he said, it may be tomorrow. It may be next week. But when you are caring for them as a person and they can see that, then when they need what you are offering, they will come around. And honestly, I think that's a great thing about email marketing and the great thing about being on social is, yes, you are going to be reminding people of your products and your services, but you're also going to be serving if you are following what we chat about here on this podcast, which is to serve more than you sell, which I didn't get to talk about with Chris. I think we're going to have to have a follow-up conversation, right? Because there was so much there. But that idea of still serving, when he was emailing that contact that he followed up and took five years, he was serving that person. He wasn't pressuring them. He was saying, hey, I just want to make sure that you know I'm here if you need anything. Here's the information, right? So when you approach it from that perspective, people know and they see that and they appreciate it. So continue to do that. Continue to stay humble. I am cheering for you and your horse business, and I would love to hear from you. So please feel free to reach out at any time if you have questions. And if you are not already following the podcast, I would absolutely encourage you to do that. I have some more fun interviews coming up in the next few weeks. So whatever your favorite podcast player is, make sure that you are following so that you get notifications every time there's a new episode. All right. Okay, friends, I'm so grateful you were here. I hope you will continue to come back and listen and learn and apply what you are learning in your business so that you can continue to build a business that you love. Thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll see you here again next week. Mm -hmm.